Aloha. Thank you for joining me for the Ghost Lore of Hawaii Paranormal Paradise podcast. I am your host, Jared. Hello. Before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to longtime listener, Jupiter. Jupiter has been going through some health issues lately, so I just wanted to take some time to send some positive energy their way. Hang in there, Jupiter. Tonight's episode was one of the most requested topics emailed in by listeners since I started the podcast. The haunting of the old Hilo Hospital. Tales of the tragedy that happened at Hilo Memorial Hospital have circulated the community for close to a century. I'll dive into this urban legend and discuss if there's any truth to the restless spirits that may still occupy the grounds. Pop open your green bottles, cozy up with your fire, I mean next to the fire, real subtle, and let's get into this. In 1892, the Hilo Hospital opened, becoming the first public integrated care facility on the island of Hawaii. Along with treating patients in need of medical care from the injuries of everyday life, the hospital also dealt with ailments common for that time, such as typhoid fever and tuberculosis and syphilis, probably. As the population in Hawaii grew, so did the hospital. In the 1930s and 40s, a maternity ward was added, along with a solarium, is that for plants? An isolation ward. However, there's a reason why so many hospitals around the world are rumored to be haunted. Over the decades it was open, immeasurable pain, suffering, and death filled the halls. Many soldiers recovering from the attack on Pearl Harbor were sent to Hilo, some who would never recover. The hospital also dealt with not just one, but two deadly tsunamis that destroyed Hilo Town in 1946 and 1960. Even with all that tragedy, there is one particular incident that forever marked the hospital. It is almost always mentioned when locals talk of the decrepit building. A fire, or the fire, that started in the children's ward, then spread to the nursery, killing several nurses, and all the newborns held in the wing. Ever since that tragic event, staff of the facility talked of hearing the cries of babies echoing throughout the halls. Others experienced strange noises, like whispers, footsteps, or disembodied laughter that seemed to surround them. (laughs) 
The hospital closed its doors in 1961. Although no longer a working medical facility, undamaged sections of the building were still being used as a pharmacy school and hospice daycare facility. Do you think the staff working at the school and adult daycare have their own spooky stories of the building? They sure do. And I'll cover a couple of those tales later in the episode. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Uh, yeah. In 2013, a group of paranormal investigators called the Kahuna Research Group wanted to explore the grounds for this very reason. According to their website, the KRG as they often refer to themselves, is a network of researchers, healers, teachers, publishers, seekers, and supporting members that use a professional approach to exploring metaphysics in Hawaii and abroad. They investigate Hawaiian myths, ghost sightings, and urban legends with the goal of debunking disproving or validating each case. KRG reached out to the hospital administration and was granted permission to investigate sections of what remained of the abandoned wing that had supposedly burned down. On a sunny day in 2013, the Kahuna Research Group planned to begin their investigation at the damaged wing of where the burned-down nursery had been located. The group, armed with cameras, digital recorders, in hopes to capture EVPs, voices of ghosts, basically, and accompanied by Leona, a medium who was there to communicate with whoever or whatever still roamed the building. As they prepared their gear, they encountered a woman from the pharmacy school out on a smoke break. They talked story for a bit, and according to KRG's notes, learned she was aware of the crying babies and that the fire that occurred on the property happened a long time ago. She spoke of a female janitor that no longer worked there that had paranormal experiences. Promising. The old hospital was just three floors, with the main section of the abandoned building being closer to the size of a house than medical facility. Weeds and overgrown foliage had long overtaken the exterior, and parts of the building had begun to collapse in on itself. As the KRG approached the entrance, old police tape hung in front of the doors. Someone had cut the Do Not Enter tape to gain entrance into the building. The tape looked rather new. Was this a crime scene? It wasn't faded or tattered, so it was most likely used for a recent incident. CSI Hawaii. Not a very comforting way to start the investigation. As they entered the dilapidated building, the first thing KRG noticed was that the staff had obviously fled in a hurry. Items like old medical papers, tables, chairs, 
bookshelves, and chalkboards were left strewn about. On one of the chalkboards, next to a bunch of graffiti, the phrase, God bless this place, had been written, adding to the eerie vibe. Oddly, an old grand piano that still worked was found in one of the rooms. The wood warped and stained. I'm sensing someone's with us, Leona, the medium, whispered. The rest of the group stopped walking as she did. Everyone's heart rate elevated. It's a child. The spirit of a child is with us. Hi, dear. What's your name, sweetie? Oh, hi, John. Please, don't be afraid. Leona relayed to the group that she sensed the child was terribly frightened. His eyes darted around the room as he cowered behind an abandoned desk. Leona put on her warmest smile in hopes to comfort the ghost child. John, dear, we're not going to hurt you. (gasps) Just then, her smile dissolved to a look of fear. Her face, previously rosy, from the midday heat went pale. What is it, Leona? He says he's not afraid of us. There's something else in this building he's afraid of. The child told Leona that there's something evil that didn't want any of the other spirits to move on to the light. There's always something. Well, that's why we're here. Maybe we can find out and help. Uh, I guess we can. After a few minutes... She lost touch with the spirit of the child. He's gone. So it was decided the group should move on with their investigation. Although it was midday, inside was dark due to no working electricity in that section of the building. The only light aiding their walk came from the broken windows and holes in the wall of the rundown nursery. The group continued past the rubble into the main section of the facility, describing it as definitely looking the part of a haunted building. The investigators made their way to a stairwell that led to the upper floors. Before heading up the stairs, the group felt the sudden urge to ask for permission from the spirits who may still occupy the grounds to move into this section of the building. Leona did not pick up any signs indicating the group should leave. You sure? So they continued up the stairs. Wanna double check? Guess not. 
As they entered the top floor, they found all the doors were closed and locked, halting the investigation. So what now? Is this the end of the line? Check it again. Yup, they're all locked. I guess that's it then. Aww. What else can we do? We can't exactly break down the door. One of the doors unlocked. Are you sure you checked the handles correctly? Are you asking me if I know how to use a door? I'm a security guard when I'm not doing this. Well, there was that one time when you were pushing instead of pulling. One time. The group all stared at the open door. Anxiousness and excitement churned in the pits of everyone's stomachs. This was a section of the building they hadn't intended on investigating. Something wants us to keep going. Well, let's get into this. As the group passed through the doorway into the dark room, Leona stopped in her tracks as her senses picked up on something towards the back corner of the room. There's someone else here with us. A cold chill crept through the rest of the group as they stopped and slowly turned to face her. The tension in the air grew. I think he used to work here back in the late 40s or 50s, she continued before opening her eyes staring over the shoulders of the other members. In unison, everyone turned their heads towards the dark corner she stared at. Quick, someone turn on the EVP recorder. Maybe we can pick up some voices. Leona went on. He's... Tall, slender, I see he's wearing coveralls, like a janitor. He's mopping. I don't think he notices a- oh, never mind. Yep, he sees us. He's just staring. Well, is he smiling at least? Does he look friendly? Not really. Everyone else shuffled in uneasiness as a bead of sweat trickled down the medium's forehead. He keeps repeating... They always leave. Who's they? I'm lonely. Don't leave. Uh, what? Hi. Hello? Did you guys not hear that? That came from Leona. Shh. What's your name, dear? Leona asked to the empty room. The rest of the group continued to stare at the dark space behind them, expecting a response they knew they'd never hear. He says his name is Jimmy. He was a World War II vet who stayed here after the war. 
Leona went on to inform Jimmy some of the current events of the time. She mentioned the year was 2013 and the president was a man named Barack Obama. He's the first African-American president. Just then, a distinct male voice came through on the digital recorder, making a very racist comment. Whoa, Jimmy, not cool. So we have a racist ghost, huh? Well, it kind of fits with the time period. Racism was very common during the period of World War II, especially in the armed forces. The Kahuna Research Group did not post the audio due to the racial profanity. Understandable. If you want to hear the actual EVP, the KRG included a note making it available to other paranormal groups that might want to analyze the audio. I'll link to the blog post in the show notes. The group's investigation concluded that although they did not hear any crying babies that day, the overall feeling of the facility was eerie from the get-go. Leona said the place was pretty active in terms of spirits, but the brief conversation with Jimmy on the top floor was the strongest interaction the group experienced that day. Do you think the ghost of Jimmy was the evil presence that tried to prevent the other spirits from moving on? Or do you think something else was to blame? Because the group were granted permission by the hospital administration, they were required to perform the investigation in the daytime. Normally, the Kahuna Research Group conducts their walkthroughs between the hours of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., which may have garnered different results. They did note in the post that they felt it was strange the door unlocked for them, which eventually led to the interaction with the spirit of Jimmy, but did not know if that was significant or just a chance encounter. Yeah. As mentioned earlier in the episode, the hospital is like an urban legend very similar to episode 8, Morgan's Corner, but for the Hilo area. As a young child, I recall my uncle, who lived down the road from the hospital, mentioning stories of the fire and all the paranormal events that happened thereafter. Although KRG's investigation was limited by the time of day they could perform the walkthrough, others were not. The comment section of KRG's blog post blew up with numerous first-hand experiences from locals who explored the property at all hours of the day, especially at night. Here are some of their stories. One person recalled parking in front of the dark, abandoned building as she and her friends <coughs> hung out. The moon had finally begun to peek out of the clouds, which was just enough to illuminate the grounds in a creepy blue glow.
The group of friends sat on the hood of her car, chatting in hushed whispers. Yeah, he's cute, and he drives one lifted Yoda. Ooh, girl. I know that's your type. Hey, shh, 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 shh. You guys hear that? They all turned towards the building, squinting through the darkness. What is that? Through the dust-frosted glass, they all saw movement. Just a blur at first, like something rushing past each of the five or six windows lining the top floor. Then... All at the same time, faces could be seen peering down at the group of teens. No other cars were parked in the abandoned lot, making it doubtful another group of locals were on the grounds. The teens scrambled back into the car and peeled out down the road back to civilization. Another similar tale involves a pair of friends talking story in their car. No, I'm still allergic to shrimp. At around midnight until the sound of children's laughter interrupted the talk. What the f***? Let's go check them out. They both stepped out of the car slowly and began walking towards the building to investigate the sounds. (laughs) Through the dead of night, they witnessed a young boy and girl around five or six years old chasing each other around the building as they laughed and played. Terrified, the two left. One of the women mentioned the story to her nephew, who decided to visit the hospital several nights later. Alexei. He, too, witnessed the same boy and girl playing around the building in the middle of the night. Another story related to the mysterious children seen in the area at night involved a group of people who actually ventured into the building on two separate occasions. On the first visit, the group explored the ground floor, flashlights in hand as they nervously giggled from excitement. Through the darkness, they heard the rattle and bells of what sounded like a child's toy coming from the back of the room. They followed the sound until coming across a small, wind-up toy toppled onto its side under one of the abandoned desks. While inspecting the old toy, definitely from a different era, the sound of a girl giggling (laughs) echoed from the stairwell. (laughs) That was enough for the group to take off running back to their car and leaving. After several weeks, a few of them gathered the courage to explore the hospital for a second time. Remembering the giggling coming from the stairwell leading to the third floor, of course, that's where they wanted to inspect first. One person propped open the emergency exit 
located at the bottom of the stairs leading out to the parking lot. Just in case, you never know. The group paused at the base of the stairs, listening for any sign of movement. Nothing. Just a distant dripping from the passing rain earlier that evening. The group began walking up the decrepit stairs, avoiding the rubble that littered the floors. They finally reached the top of the staircase into a hall of doors. The same area the Kahuna Research Group were temporarily halted due to the locked entrances. At the same time, they all suddenly began sensing the panicked feeling of fight or flight. What is that? They all shined their flashlights down the pitch black hall. Is that a person? It was. About 50 feet away, the beam of light landed on the figure of a woman. She was facing away, back turned to the group, dressed in a long purple mumu dress. <laughs> she quickly turned around to face them. Oh my god. Tangled black hair obstructing her face. Clenched in the woman's hand was a rusted steel pipe. Horrified, everyone turned around and began sprinting down the flight of stairs back to the main floor. The sound of heavy footsteps chasing closely behind them could be heard. Just as they turned to continue down the last set of stairs, an invisible force shoved them. The violent push was so strong Several of the teens were literally propelled out of their shoes. It didn't take long for the pile of bruised and scraped up teens lying at the base of the stairs to pick themselves back up and out of the emergency exit propped open. They sprinted halfway to the car before realizing nothing was chasing them. They all caught their breath outside of the car, inspecting the minor injuries suffered in the fall. That's gonna leave a mark. They laughed in relief and disbelief until the two friends who lost their footwear mentioned venturing back into the building to retrieve them. Bro, I can't leave my J's in there. Plus, they gotta be somewhere on the bottom floor anyway. Probably stick close to the exit. Nope. Uh-uh, I'm not going back in. And what about you? Maybe I can understand going back for Jordans. You're just missing slippers. The two Lolo stupid teens began heading back into the building. The two remaining teens watched as they disappeared into the dark doorway. This is why women live longer than men. But less than a minute later, they came sprinting back out and straight for the car. The boys explained that as soon as they re-entered the building, they began hearing noises surround them. Footsteps, crying, stuff being knocked over. Uh, I'll just come back tomorrow in the daytime. Well, I'm going home. 
The remaining three guys had a sleepover at one of their homes and did return the next day. But this time, they wouldn't even get through the emergency exit they had sprinted out of the previous night. As they approached the door, they saw what the f- placed right outside the entrance, neatly next to each other, were a pair of Jordans and slippers. I wish I had more answers to what happened to that group of teens that night. Who was that woman with the metal pipe? Who placed the footwear at the entrance of the building? Who the heck would go back in to retrieve a $5 pair of rubber slippers? Maybe the woman was just a chronic druggie with a meth pipe. Wouldn't surprise me. Personally... I believe the female apparition in the purple mumu was the evil spirit mentioned in the earlier story that kept the other spirits from moving on. A meth addict would be pretty out of place wearing a long mumu in an abandoned hospital. Would they, though? As for the footwear, Maybe it was the spirit of the trapped children placing the shoes and slippers outside for the teens so they wouldn't return into the building to protect them. Or meth. The hospital closed its doors as a medical facility in 1961 after the new hospital, Hilo Medical Center, opened. As mentioned earlier in the episode... Parts of the building were still used for a school and daycare facility. The staff having stories of their own. Here are a few tales based on the experiences of those staff. One person shared that they still worked on site, employed by the daycare, for seven years. She mentioned, while on shift, it was common to get reports from her elderly clients of seeing and hearing the crying children and babies. She also brought up that the apparitions seemed to regularly appear in the restrooms, having overheard clients conversing with these spirits. From what I understood from her stories, an activity used by staff to work on mobility and rehab for the elderly was a balloon toss. Very often, For no discernible reason, the balloons would burst in mid-air, all on their own. I was also able to find an interview with the community outreach coordinator of the adult care facility, who I'll call Ruby. Ruby was being interviewed for a piece on the history of the hospital. Right off the bat, the article quotes her, confirming that the grounds are haunted. Yes, there are ghosts. Most people would agree. I haven't heard anything recently, but it's not uncommon for the elders to hear children outside playing when there are no children outside. The pitter-patter of little footsteps running through the halls and the sounds of giggles are also reoccurring events experienced by the staff. But it's the incident 
Ruby experienced firsthand that made her believe that more than just the elderly patients of the daycare occupy the building. One evening, Ruby was headed to a wing of the building to drop off some papers at a co-worker's desk. She mentioned that as soon as she got to the entrance of the wing, she was suddenly hit with an uneasy feeling, like she was being watched. Ruby paused at the entrance of the wing and scanned the dark hallway. Chicken skin ran down her neck and back. Ruby took a deep breath before crossing the threshold into the hallway. She walked into the office of her co-worker and tossed the papers onto the desk. As she turned around to leave, Ruby stopped mid-step, almost tripping. (gasps) Placed deliberately on the floor, starting at the desk she was at, she saw a trail of crayons lined up neatly leading between the tables and out into the restroom. More than a little creeped out, she quickly ran out of the room back to the livelier, no pun intended, section of the facility. As she entered the room her co-workers were in, they all commented that she looked like she had seen a ghost. So did the fire really happen? The article interviewing Ruby also mentioned a news column written by a local historian that detailed the history of Hilo's hospital system. Throughout the extensive article, it never mentions a tragic fire occurring in the children's ward. Apparently, The daycare's social services coordinator, who's talked to hundreds of seniors who passed through the doors of the building, had also never found anyone who remembered a big fire. That's not to say it never happened. Being that the hospital opened all the way back in the 1890s, So much of that history may be lost forever. All the residents, patients, and staff from that era have long passed, and the written history of that time has a notorious way of being misplaced. Take the haunted Kauai Hotel destroyed by Hurricane Eva mentioned in episode 17. It was built sometime during the 1950s or 60s, but locals can't really say for sure, as all the documents related to its construction are gone. If a tragic fire that cost the lives of nurses and newborn babies really did happen, it's not difficult for me to see why officials might want that information lost to time. There are things that cannot be denied when it comes to hospitals, and that's the pain, death, and sadness attached to these locations. Several of the older locals of Hilo do recall some of those darker moments in the hospital's history. 
One person talked of visiting their auntie in the psych ward, located in the basement of the hospital. They remember it being cold, dark, wet, describing it as resembling a dungeon. The morgue was also located in the basement. But the story that affected me the most while researching this episode came from a local who survived the deadly 1960 tsunami that destroyed Hilo Town. While just six years old, she could still remember going with her parents to the hospital in search of relatives they couldn't locate. Large crowds formed as many of the other people in the community had the same idea. Being that Hilo Memorial Hospital was so small, the morgue could only hold six or seven bodies. She recalls Seeing all the recovered bodies unable to fit in the morgue, laying face down in the back of the hospital, all covered in mud. The image burned into her brain, even at that young age, was the body of an infant wearing a white dress. So although I was unable to find historical proof of an actual fire that burned down the children's ward, enough tragedy has occurred over the century plus the building has been standing to warrant it being haunted. Plus, with so many of Hilo's locals claiming to have experiences of their own, There's got to be some truth to the stories, right? Mahalo again for joining me tonight for these spooky tales. Like I mentioned at the start of the episode, many of you have been requesting the old Hilo Memorial Hospital for some time. I hope I was able to do it justice. Special shout out to the Kahuna Research Group, where I got most of the details these dramatized stories were based on. A lot of what you heard in the episode came from their investigation, but of course, I added my own little twists. You can check out KRG's blog at kahunaresearchgroup.org. We only have a few more episodes left in Season 2 before Ghost Lore of Hawaii goes on break until Season 3. But don't worry, if you want more content, head over to patreon.com slash ghostloreofhawaii. I'll continue to release bonus episodes like mini-stories, Hawaiian legends, true crime, and more in between seasons so members can still get their dose of paranormal paradise for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month patrons get access to all the content all the things other tier membership benefits include gifts in episode and show note shoutouts and even naming a character in a future story The character Leona was named by my buddy Ann Lee, and the character Ruby was named by Joni. Click the link in the show notes to learn more or to become a member. I'd like to shout out new Kanaka tier patrons Roberto Soriano and Koichi Santiago Wada. Mahalo so much for your support. Check out the show notes 
for the newest Pelletier supporters, and mahalo to all patrons of other tiers. I wouldn't be able to do this podcast without your support. Do you have a paranormal experience or topic you'd like turned into a story? You can email me at ghostlore.of.hawaii at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Reviews help the show get in front of new listeners. Follow me on Instagram at ghostlore.of.hawaii. I post relevant and non-relevant information about the podcast, as well as behind-the-scenes clips of production for the show and my life in general. Although historical information discussed in this episode was researched, it was researched by me, so cannot guarantee I got things right. (laughs) I'm like the Wikipedia of paranormal podcasts. Names and locations may have been altered for privacy's sake. As they entered the Ladapa As they entered the dilapid the dilapidated As they entered the dilap dilapidated dilapidated building oh, whatever Yeah he's cute but he puts sugar in his poi <laughs> Yeah he's cute but he pronounces poke as pokey he drives one lifted Yora, the bug a cherry. Ooh, girl. I know that's your type.